When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we are still getting our head around the incredible result that we had at the Gabba Ground on Sunday night. Shamar Joseph, the absolute star there. There's question marks about what Australia could be doing or should be doing. I've thrown into the mix the four-day test match with Trent. We've already talked about that. I don't want to go down that path again, but I'm happy to take Copeland on again if he wants to. Anyway, Adam White was there covering it for SEN. I tell you what, must have been one of those pinch-me moments. He is on the line. G'day, Adam. G'day, Jimmy. Uh, was it? I mean, I saw some of your, your social media stuff. I heard your, your, your commentary. And, and it, it's just one of those extraordinary moments in sport that I think will reverberate for how long we might be able to get to. But what was it like actually being there at the Gabba? Yeah, look, it was very special um, for so many reasons, obviously. But just to see Shamar Joseph, you know, running off way out into the outfield <laughs> and all his teammates chasing him and then them all sort of converging together on the sidelines not far from where their dugout was. It was just the emotion. It was it was pretty special. And then, he, you know, he bowed in front of the crowd. <laughs> um, Brian Lara, Carl Hooper, Ian Bishop are on the field with the players crying. Um, so, you know, that, that, I mean, just from that point of view, all on its own was, was pretty special. But just the, the pace that Shamar Joseph bowled at through an extraordinary spell. So... I know you guys have spoken a lot about it, but to put it into context, <clears throat> on that last day, there was 66 mils of rain that had fallen at the Gabba between about five in the morning and about 11 in the morning. Mm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of conjecture as to whether there'd be even any play at all. Shamar Joseph had been in hospital the night before to get scans on a suspected broken toe. When he woke up, he wasn't going to the ground. <laughs> Uh, and it was only that he got a message from the doctor to say, come to the ground and support your teammates. I might have something that might be able to help the pain. So he's turned up with it, even without his gear. Um, so that's why he didn't start at the start of play, because he didn't have his gear. So he had to go back and get his clothes to wear and whatever else, and his shoes, and then he went out and, and, and bowled. So, and then he goes and gets seven wickets and bowls 150 kilometer hour fireballs yeah. and just knocks over single-handedly. Um, the World Test Champions. Uh, it's it, it, And then, again, four years ago, he'd never even seen the internet before. Um, so he's come from such a remote place uh, in the West Indies, a, sort of a riverland village where they, I don't even think they had electricity. Yeah. Um, so for what he's been able to do in such a short period of time, to go from a security guard less than 12 months ago, five first-class games going into this test summer, now he's a world test superstar. It's it's just something out of a movie. Yeah, it might be a good thing that he hadn't seen the interweb until four years ago. But anyway, yeah, that's that's, right. a, that's a separate one, Adam. That's um, exactly I, right. I, I want to ask you this: lasting impact or just a sugar hit for West Indies as far as Test cricket goes? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Right. I think it's it's a reminder to the ICC. It's a reminder to really powerful people in cricket what's possible if there is investment in West Indian cricket. Um, and I think it's also, it's in a way, it's a bit sobering in the sense that there's all this, not wasted talent, but there are mm. all these players that are 
are great test players that choose not to play test... Sorry, I shouldn't say great test players. Really good test players that choose to play a different format of the game because they can make a life out of it. Uh, Now, the difference was with this West Indian team to even 12 months ago is that this team were full of young players that wanted to play test cricket for the West Indies. They actually wanted to be there. They didn't want to play T20 cricket. They wanted to play test cricket. But so many of them are young. Once they get the exposure, as a Shamar Joseph um, has had, Mm. then there's this temptation to go and not so much chase the money because they're going to be seduced by the money to almost turn to the dark side play franchise cricket, and then they're unavailable to play West Indian Test cricket, which is what so many of the best West Indian players have uh, have faced over the last 10 years or so. Mm, we heard all the right things from Shamar Joseph after the match, didn't we, about wanting to play for, for West Indies. So we'll have to wait and see. It can be very enticing, um, as we know, from a, um, a person who's got a short sporting tenure. Uh, let's go to the, uh, turn our attention to the Australian side, Adam. And uh, Andrew McDonald has come out and said, no, nah, we're not making any changes to the top six. Everyone's worried about Marnus Labashane, whose um, career average has plummeted from 60.82 to 50.82, which means it's higher than Matt Hayden, Alan Border, Michael Clark, and Doug Walters. But what's your thoughts on the number three and the top six for Australia? Well, I think the first thing is that uh, there has already been change, obviously with Warner no longer there. Yep. Smith going to open and Cameron Green going to four. So there's, there's changes there straight away. And that's been there for, what, two test matches. Mm. So I don't think they're going to change it after two test matches, particularly considering they did win one of those two matches. Um, however, I think it's definitely, I think all of it's a bit of, you know, they're on watch because we've got these two test matches against New Zealand and then there is a massive gap before there's any more test cricket and that's against India here next summer. So I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for players that are currently not in the team to put up some big numbers in the Shield cricket. So there's still four rounds of Shield cricket plus a final before the end of this summer. And then probably another four or five matches for players to put up some big numbers before next international summer. So so there's that. And there's still ample opportunity for Marnus Lubbershane to turn things around, yep. um, for Smith to prove that he can open the batting and that, you know, I think... It's like saying, well, you can't drop them after one game, but you can't also say that oh, he's definitely opener after one game either or one innings either. Um, the the Labuschagne one's an interesting one, Jimmy, because you know this has been this isn't a new thing where his his, his numbers have dropped away, um, but also he's set such a high bar um, that I think it, there's this expectation that he's just going to go out there and score runs all the time. Mm. My concerns for Labuschagne and probably more for the Australian team is that. Because they've got a new opener and a new number four, they actually need the number three to be in form. And, and they need Manus to be scoring runs to protect Cameron Green in this new experimental role, if you like, at number four. And, you know, it's been a long time since Manus has scored a century, but he's not, he's not the only one. We only yeah. saw two through the entire summer, and one was by a bloke who's retired and did it on the very first day of the, of the international summer back against Pakistan in Perth. So... Um, there's quite a few that need to, I guess, remember how to bat long periods of time and score big hundreds because it just didn't happen throughout the entire summer. You know, the thing that struck me that I was uh, during the course of my reading, Adam, too, that at 29 years of age, Manus Labuschagne is the second youngest in the Australian yep. 11 
which you, you, I was amazed by. Travis Head behaves like a teenager, but is actually yeah. older than Manus. <laughs> he does. He does. He behaves like one, and that's like one. And it's kind of <laughs> exactly. fun to watch. But, but, but I, I think that's that's another issue in itself. Mm. In the sense that that the way Travis Head bats, look, he's brilliant at times, and he wins matches. But he can also lose matches for you um, because of the way he plays. And uh, the best way of describing um, the way he plays, from my point of view, is he bats like an all-rounder because he just bats really aggressively, really positively, and can change the game really quickly. That's what all-rounders have always historically done. But he's not an all-rounder. He's in there to be a batsman. The number six is there to do that. So in a way, we've sort of got guys that are four, five, and six that are all sort of all-rounders in a way. Cameron Green actually bats more like a batsman than, than Travis Head does, and yes. certainly more than a batsman than, than Mitch Marsh does. But when you've got five and six that like to take the game on, that's great when it's going really well. That's great when the pitch conditions are easy to bat on. But when things are a bit dicey, I think that middle order can become a bit vulnerable and a bit dicey because of the way they play. We don't have a lot of players in that team at the moment that like to sort of dig in and really fight hard. It's just not in their DNA. So I think that's an interesting watch also when, when we go over to New Zealand for these two matches where the pitches are going to be green because New Zealand are going to serve up something that can give them an advantage. You know, I, I think there's there's no doubt that the Australians will go over there with their confidence a little bit dented with what happened, not only at the Gabba, but we've got to remember in Adelaide on a wicket that had a fair bit of grass, Australia in their first innings were six for 140. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that extended period of first-class cricket for the remainder of this year and then to start next season as well. Uh, who Most likely to put their hand up to say, hey, I'm an option for this Australian six, in your opinion, Adam? Yeah, so I think the obvious ones are, are the obvious ones. Yep. Um, I don't mean to be smart by saying that, but the ones that we've spoken a lot about, you know, Cameron Bancroft, Marcus Harris, and Matt Renshaw are the obvious three because they have made a lot of runs at domestic cricket for a long time. So someone like Marcus Harris has scored 28 first-class centuries. We know that Matt Renshaw has, has made a lot of runs and played for Australia where he scored hundreds. Um, and then we've got Cameron Bancroft, who recently has, has been the most informed player. But this is where it gets challenging. Uh, outside of those three, um, Aaron Hardy is the obvious one. Mm. Um, but he, again, is an all-rounder. Yeah. But he's the one that has probably looked the most impressive in domestic cricket for the last two years. There's a guy in South Australia called Nathan McSweeney, who actually did captain um, oh, Brisbane yeah. um, in the BBL. Um, and he's he he's just starting to hit his traps now in South Australia. Um, I think he's he's probably the next obvious. There's a guy in Queensland called Jack Clayton who I really like. He's a left-hander. He hasn't had a great year this year, but he's someone that I think's got a lot of talent. And then the other one is Will Pukowski, who um, you know has had so many challenges through his. Uh, his relatively young career, he's still in his mid-twenties. Mm. And he's just starting to, to, I guess, overcome a lot of the mental uh, health challenges that he's had. He's played all but one of the Shield games for Victoria this year. Um, he did get hit in the head in the second 11 game last week, but he's going to play uh, this week for Victoria. So all the Shield starts up again this weekend. So I think he's the, he's the absolute standout, but there's still a lot of water that has to flow under the bridge before you know, he'd put up his hand to say that he's ready to play for 
play for Australia again. I like the look of Nathan McSweeney. He's proper cricketer. Yeah. Uh, when you see him, even in the BBL, you see him playing these legitimate cricket shots, and you think, wow, very compact yes. and um, yeah, it goes about his work very and nicely. And he, he's and he's also got Jimmy a lot of leadership attributes. So he yes. he's a very good tactician, very calm under pressure when he captains. Uh, Brisbane uh, Heat, uh, you know, when all the, the other guys were away, he was very, very good. But he's also he also has been captaining Australia A. So I covered a recent series, right. Australia A versus New Zealand A, and yep. they were very keen for him to be the captain. So I, I think when you see that sort of thing where someone is sort of anointed as someone with leadership capabilities, you know, it shows that they're investing in someone. And, yeah, I certainly think that McSwain is one of those. He is, was from Queensland. He's had this massive curly hair. Yeah. Like Custy the Clown almost. Um, and then he, he yeah, he went to South Australia for more opportunities because, you know, Queensland have got three the Australian at one point had three or four of the of the top six for Australia. So that's why he he went and relocated to South Australia. So he'd play every game and he is he's in that prime spot there at number four. Four-day test matches. I had my thoughts on it yesterday. I think that's a it, it's a must for the future of test cricket. Trent Copeland this morning said, no, 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 no. Stay with the five days. Where are you on this one, Adam? So I have heard your comments, but just remind me, the one key reason why you think four, ten, four days are better than five? Uh, I don't think... So, so my biggest question to people is, what are we depriving ourselves of by having a day five that we couldn't get on day four? Like I, I like yep. so, and the big one Trent came up with was wear and tear on the wicket. Um, so there's there's two things he said. What if we lose time for for rain? Very hard to make it up, and wear and tear on on the wicket. And I'm saying, well, if you play 105 overs on a pitch in the one day or every day then that wear and tear will just come earlier. It'll come earlier on day four than day five. But but the other thing, it, the, yeah. the other thing it does, Adam, it, it allows you to free up your schedule. Like to get people, punters, to invest in five days for a sporting contest, that's the thing of the turn of the 20th century, not into the 21st century. Yeah, look, I, I think I'm sure Trent probably would have said to you with Five-day cricket—it's—it's it's the fifth day where the elements or the you know the the hot sun can get on a pitch for a fifth day to help break it up, I guess. Um, look, I—I'm I'm not strong either way on this because right. I do understand what you're saying, and I think that to me the biggest benefit of four-day Test cricket probably isn't so much the freeing up of the schedule; it's more the fact that we, it would encourage more proactive Test cricket. So you would see run rates improve. You would see teams more likely to declare earlier to keep the game moving forward um, so there is um, enough time for there to be a result. So I think that would be... I'd imagine that would be what would happen if there were four-day test matches. Yep. Um, my, my argument against it is that it's not rare, but often test matches don't go to a fifth day anyway. Yep. So I think that, you know, generally speaking, I don't think countries play test cricket as well as what we once did. You know, I was talking before, bemoaning the fact that the Australians can't bat you know, long enough. Because there is now so much uh, T20 cricket, I think a lot of players, and I think society as well, a lot of players don't have the patience or the, or the temperament to be able to bat long periods of time. They just get themselves out. And that, you know, that happens whether you're playing local cricket or whether you're playing for your country. I just think it's getting harder and harder. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know whether it's as big an issue as perhaps what it was a while ago, and then throwing into the mix the fact that the way that um, England now play their Test cricket, um, it's rare for it to go to a fifth day because of the way they play. Yeah. So I think if we weren't seeing positive Test cricket, I think it would be something that I'd be more likely to say yes, give it a go. But I think from what we've seen in recent times, I don't see the necessity of it based on how the game is played. I think the schedule thing is a different issue. See, I hate two-day tests. I hate two test series. I yeah. think it's, it's so frustrating. Now, we've just seen an, a prime example here yes. with the West Indies. Imagine how exciting it would have been if the West Indies had, were, were heading to the SCG to play Australia in a decider. Now, we wouldn't have been excited about it before the series started necessarily because we probably would have all thought it was 2-0. But the, you've got to give it an opportunity for there to be a third. We're going over to New Zealand where we think the teams might be fairly evenly matched in New Zealand conditions. It's a two-test series. Yeah. Um, so what happens in that situation is, like we saw here in Australia, Australia won the first test match against the West Indies. So all of a sudden, they've already retained the Sir Frank Warrior Trophy. Yep. So what's the point of playing the second one? Yeah. Um, I just think that's the sort of stuff that, that I think the ICC lets everybody, you know, all cricket fans down with, the, the yeah. fact that we're having these. Because then it feels like, oh, we're just putting these test matches on because we have to have them, yeah. as opposed to it being something of, of real meaning and, and consequence. Mm. Adam, I'll take that as a strong endorsement of my belief, so thank you. <laughs> you said you weren't going to talk about it. Hey, that's what I heard. Anyway, I don't know what else anyone <laughs> Hey, uh, I know you've got lots more cricket coming up on SEN, the AFL, of course, as well. Uh, mediachampions.com.au if you're a youngster and you want to learn more about the art of commentary from someone as talented as Adam White, make sure you check that out as well. Great to have you on the program, mate. No, thanks, Jimmy, anytime.